Well, good morning, church family. This morning, we're going to open up with all hail the power of Jesus' name. And before we start, I want to share a little bit about this song. Um, You see, there's a reverend by the name of E.P. Scott, and he was a missionary to India. Um, And he was specifically called to a a savage tribe. And as he went to find this tribe, uh, he was greeted with spears uh, pointed to his heart. They surrounded him, and they were ready to kill him. And in that moment, he pulled out his violin, and he started singing, I'll hail the power of Jesus' name. And when he got to let every nation, every tribe, he looked up, and the spears were down, and the, many of the men had tears in their eyes. Um, and he was able to share the gospel um, and to, to evangelize to this tribe that was unreached for two years. Um, so this song has, has power, it has weight, and let's joyfully sing this morning. Let's open in worship. Let's stand together. Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Seed of Israel's race, he ransomed from the fall. Hail him who saved you by his grace and crowned him. Terrestrial ball to him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all to him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all that with yonder saint throng we at his feet may fall we'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all we'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all and we'll join the everlasting song Welcome this morning. Glad you're here together worshiping in the house of the Lord. would like to extend a welcome to you if you're a visitor. There should be a card right in front of you. 
uh, that says connection card. If you wouldn't mind grabbing that, fill that out, drop that in the basket on your way out as you're offering. We'd love to have the opportunity. Reach out to you this week, pray for you, see if there's anything that we can do, answer for you. So if you would just give us that opportunity, fill that out, drop that in, I would greatly appreciate it. So it is the season of graduation. This past week has been graduation, high school graduations, and college earlier this month. And so this morning, uh, the seniors who have just graduated high school gathered together and uh, celebrated their graduation, had breakfast together, and so just want to, not going to name names, but they were in the newsletter uh, that came out earlier yesterday, and, um, and if you don't know them, you can ask, and I'll let you know. But I want to encourage you to pray for them as they are leaving high school and going either to, uh, to a career or to college uh, as, as they have big decisions before them and also um, big things around them who are uh, grasping their attention and their affections and the direction of their lives. Would you join me in praying for them and to pray for them continually uh, that the Lord would direct them, guide them, and that they would have hearts of faith to walk after the Lord. So we'll pray in just a minute. Uh, as, as we've been doing through the last few months, memorizing Scripture, I want to highlight the Scripture we've been memorizing here in May and want to recite that once, and, um, and then we'll pray, okay? So let's read it out loud if you would follow along with me. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live, and I will make you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. Isaiah 55, 3. Got a little quick there. So turn, incline your ear, turn to the Lord, that your soul may live. God has given life. He is life. Jesus is the bread of life. Other things around us do not bring life. Things of this earth do not, but he does. He has provided life. The food we take is a gift from him. The breath we breathe is a gift from the Lord. God is the one who gives us life. Therefore, may we turn to him. May we look to him that we would put it in the right place. Understand that life comes from the Lord and not from what we can grasp and do. All right. Pray with me, and uh, let's pray for these graduates and also our time together. Father God, I thank you. God, thank you that you have given us life. That, God, you've given us another day, that you brought rain just a little while ago. That, God, you take care of this earth, you take care of your people, you take care of people who want nothing to do with you. That you shower grace upon all humanity, even in their rebellion, and that you call from from each of us as our hearts naturally are in rebellion against you you call us to grace in Christ thank you Lord that you have sent your son to be the savior of the world that all who would call upon his name would be saved God thank you for the gift of grace in your son Lord we ask you this morning that you would direct our attention you would direct our gaze upon your son and that God seeing him high and lifted up we would be drawn to you, to hear, to repent, to trust, to grow, to mature. God, would you lead and guide us this morning? God, I thank you for the six graduates that are leaving high school, that have concluded that time and are going on 
to different things, different schools, different careers. Lord, I ask that, God, you, as you have had them here and preparing them, that, Lord, what they have learned and what they have, uh, what work has been invested in them, that, God, they would go from never forgetting. They would not forget what you have done. They're like Israel that left Egypt, that walked around the wilderness and came into the land of promise, and who did not look at what you did, did not read your word and, and return to consider what you have done. Lord, may they remember. May they remember your work and your goodness and walk in faith. God, would you protect them? God, would you use them? The unique places that they'll be, would you use them for your glory? Would you use them for the good of others, that, God, you would make disciples through them? That, God, they would share and witness to the goodness that they have seen of you in their lives. And that, God, you would use them to bring people from death to life, that they would find you, the Lord of life, through these six graduates. And so, Father, lead and guide and use them for your glory. So in your name we pray, asking all these things. Amen. Let's stand as we continue in worship.
Father's plan. This was not plan B. This was not, oh no, what just happened? We have to change. No, this was the Father's plan from the beginning. Amen. Let's continue worship. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to
who fixes God that we don't have to fix ourselves that we don't have to correct ourselves before we turn to you but because we turn to you we can't be corrected we can be fixed it is your power and your strength God we come broken to be mended wounded to be healed Father we come empty to be filled So, Lord, today we come to you to be filled with your, your word. God, that your, your words that you speak through Pastor Joel, God, will fill us, will renew us, will draw us closer to you. God, I pray that you will give us ears to hear and hearts to understand that we can leave this building better equipped to be your church. Father, thank you for this time. We love you and we praise you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Good to see you this morning. Good to be back. Uh, we took uh, a week away for some... Uh, uh, well, really to celebrate our uh, anniversary, uh, Janet and I, uh, uh, last Friday, celebrated our wedding anniversary, and uh, I uh, thought we would go on a dolphin cruise to celebrate it, and uh, I went to the website, uh, and they said they had room for one, and I didn't know how we could celebrate that with just one of us going. Of course, she may have really liked to go by herself after 44 years of marriage. Uh, but anyway, I decided, well, we'll just do our own dolphin cruise. And so uh, we got on the jet ski that afternoon, went out, uh, was riding along, in the, the, along the gulf, and we came across a, a big pot of dolphin. And so I, I said to her, man, isn't this great? It cost us $75 to go on that dolphin cruise. And here we are 
we've got our own free dolphin cruise. And so I shut the uh, jet ski off, and we sat there and we watched them. They swam underneath the jet ski. It was just cool. Water was beautiful. And then when I went to start the jet ski, the battery was dead. I mean, I don't know how it is for you mere mortals, but, you know, for most preachers, uh, God just so such great favor on us that we rarely have any trials that come our way. And so uh, we couldn't get it started, and so we had a one free tow. Uh, I'm not talking about my foot, I, uh, but a tow for the jet ski, and we called, and they insisted on uh, texting. Now, we're out there in the Gulf bouncing up and down. Neither one of us have reading glasses on. And uh, so uh, I had to get her into Janet into shore, and she went and found a young lady that could uh, read the text. And uh, so uh, about an hour later, help came. And uh, fortunately, this young lady was in ministry. Uh, she came out and we did not have to have a conversation because she talked for an hour. And uh, it was interesting. Uh, we, we enjoyed the time together. And that's kind of how we uh, had our anniversary. And then uh, in a Tuesday of the week, I said, Janet, why don't you go out for another dolphin cruise with me? And she said, no, I'm tired. I don't want to go. And uh, so I, I did what I call cowboying, okay, which is, you know, I like to jump waves on a wave runner, and it was a little choppy, so instead of going against the waves, I went with the waves. And so you're riding in up and down and up and down, and my wave runner hit a, the backside of a wave. And for the third time now, the hatch for the compartment in the front broke off. Terrible design by... Uh, Yamaha and when it broke off fortunately uh, I had my head down and it hit me in the top of the head instead of you know right here in the throat so if you're going to hit me this is a good place to hit me so uh, anyway that's kind for you mere mortals I know you go through trials but I don't know what it's like uh, and so the next day, I uh, gator taped that onto the jet ski, and we went to watch the uh, Blue Angels practice. And so we did that. It was wonderful, uh, loud, and uh, a good experience. Got back to the house. My, we took everything inside, including the keys to the car and the uh, uh, phones, and... Uh, closed the door and my mother-in-law she was gone my mother-in-law's got those doors if you don't unlock them right they just lock back so we locked ourselves out and uh but we have a spare key in a little lock box that you can punch in the right numbers and it hasn't been open in 10 to 12 years and guess what it's still not open and fortunately, my before Christ experiences of breaking in houses, I was able to, to uh, unlock her door. And uh, so that's kind of how our, our vacation time went. So I don't know how your time went, but we're glad to be back. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, looking forward to this evening. We're going to have a meal time together. Uh, I would like to put in my order for uh, fried okra.
Uh, no, I'm just kidding. We're going. Church is going to provide chicken and the drinks, and you come and bring uh, whatever sides that, that you like, and then we'll have a time of worship through song. Looking forward to having that uh, wonderful time to share together. Let's bow together in a word of prayer as we begin looking at God's Word. And Father, we do come thanking you that, Lord, no matter what the circumstances may be, no matter what we may be going through, and, and, and indeed those were simple little things, but Lord, whether you are seated on the throne between the cherubim or you're on a cross between two thieves, the Lord Jesus Christ is always beautiful. You are the majestic one. You are the object of all of our devotion and all of our worship. And Lord, we come on the blood of Jesus Christ to know that it is through your grace and through your shed blood that we can come before your throne of grace. And we can come with great confidence, not because of who we are, but because of what Christ has done. So we pray that by your Holy Spirit and by the power of the Word of God, that what we are not, that you would create in us today uh, through your amazing grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're in uh, coming to the last section of the book of Isaiah. I shared with you it's divided into three different sections. Uh, we looked at the first part about Christ being the perfect king uh, in opposition to those kings that are in uh, chapters 1 through 37. Uh, so you and I have a perfect king. Even Hezekiah, though he was good, he failed. Uh, and then in chapters 38 through 55, we looked at the suffering servant. And we talked about Christ being our suffering servant not Israel. Uh, Christ is the one who has suffered and died to provide for us life eternal. Now we come to this final section and it is the uh, overwhelming conqueror, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ in chapters 25 through 66. And so uh, I want to just remind you, you know, a couple of years ago we studied in Second Peter Second Peter uh, 3.11 says, Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, since the end of time is coming, God says it will melt away with fervent heat. Don't worry about global warming. Okay, <laughs> it's going to melt away with fervent heat, the Scripture says. Uh, so uh, when things are dissolved, he says, What sort of people ought you to be? My mic is feeding back. It's bad. I'd like to feed myself right now. Why can't I? Can you hear, can you hear me now? Some could hear and some can't hear. All right, those of you that are young could hear, and those of you that are not young, you can't hear it. Uh, okay. Uh, boy, that's got a little echo back, a little reverb back in there. I like that. Now, if you'll make me sound deep-voiced, I'd appreciate it very much. Uh, so since all of these things are to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness waiting for and hastening the coming day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? 
So what, what Peter is saying is the Lord's coming back, and you and I need to be preparing for it. As we look at what's going on in our world today, the question keeps coming back, do you think we're living in the last times? Well, the answer is always yes. If it had been two, 200 years ago, we're living in the last days. We don't know when the last day is. Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour of the coming of the Son of Man. So the reality is it could happen before we get out of church. It could happen next week. It could happen a hundred years from now. But what kind of lives are we to be leading during that time? He says, lives of holiness and godliness. That brings us to the 56th chapter of Isaiah. And I'm just going to read the first half of that uh, just for time's sake. But uh, uh, let me begin reading in verse 1. Thus says the Lord. This is what you are to be doing as you and I are looking forward to the overwhelming conqueror, to Christ coming, riding on a white horse. Keep justice and do righteousness. For soon, and this is the coming of the Lord, for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness will be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the Son of Man who holds it fast. By the way, this is a reoccurring statement in this text, who holds it fast. And another reoccurring statement, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. So let not, and I want you to notice, let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people and let not, and I want you to notice this word, the eunuch, let not the eunuch say, behold, I'm a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give my house and within my walls a monument and a name, one that is better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name, and they shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to Him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be His servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain, and I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God, who gathers the outcast of Israel, declares, listen to his word, I will gather yet others to him, that is Israel or Christ, besides those already gathered. So there are two commands that are given in verse 1, and you, you caught those. It said, number one, keep justice. Number two, do righteousness. And the reason why, he says, is my, my salvation is coming soon. Now, Verse 1 is a kind of summary verse of what's in the rest of the chapter. 
And uh, notice what he is saying here. He says, number one, keep justice. And the idea is behind this word justice is the word truth. And it refers to the Word of God. And you're just going to have to just just trust my uh, Hebrew skills uh, to say that that's what this word uh, justice implies. As you, you and I look at it, we know we're living in a day that's crying out for justice. Where does justice come from? How do we know what is just and right? We know it through the truth, and the only truth that is always true is the truth that is found in the Word of God. Everything else is relative. We live in a day of relativism, which means what is true today will probably not be true 10 years from now. And that goes true for everything that is true except for truth in Christ. And those of you that live long enough to see this pattern repeated over and over and over again when somebody says, well, this is the way you're supposed to do it, and then later says, no, this is the way it's supposed to do you to do it, and you're not supposed to ever do that at a later time. And so that's kind of the world in which we live. So we have, when it says keep truth, he's really talking about keeping the Word and keeping justice, doing what the Scripture says, and then secondly, to do righteousness. And this is not only the truth, which is our compass, but holiness, which is our conduct. And our conduct is found in Christ. So when he says do righteousness, he, he's really saying walk with Christ because our righteousness is like filthy rags in the eyes of God. And the only righteousness that is holy is Christ in me, Christ in us, the hope of glory. So when he gives us these two commands, that's, that's what he's referring to. He's pointing us to the Scripture, the Word of God, the written Word of God, and then he's pointing us to Christ, the living Word of God. So with that kind of as a foundation, uh, I want us to, uh, uh, to kind of understand that what he's saying here is, is there's a world out there that waits to see not religion, but what it is to see Christ in us, the hope of glory. What, what does a real Christian look like? What is it to be a, like Christ? And that's what this whole passage references. So we're going to look at uh, three different ideas. Number one will be our rest in His righteousness. Number two, clinging to His covenant. And then number three, sharing or sharing in His salvation. So if you kind of keep your mind around those three ideas, I, I think you will benefit and be blessed for it. Number one, uh, rest in His righteousness. Again, back in verse 1, it says, keep justice and do righteousness. And then when we go to verse 2, notice what it says, blessed is the man. And then, who does this? And then it says, and the Son of Man who holds fast. And again, what, what you can't see in the, in the English translation is that first word for man and that second word for man are not the same. The first word for man, there is man in his weakness, man in his sickliness. 
man in his sin. So he says, blessed is the weak man who does this. And the reality is we can't do that except because of the second man. It's found there, and it says, and the son of man. This is the, it's the word Adam, okay, Adam in Hebrew, the second Adam. It's because of the second Adam, Christ, who has held fast to all that the Scripture has said. He has come and completed everything that is needful and necessary for righteousness. And you and I can't do that except through faith in Christ. And then Christ in us, we live lives of separation and holiness unto the Lord. And then notice again in verse 2, it says, and to those who keep Sabbath. Now, I, you know, I could, just, I could just really lead you down a, a false path here and say, if you, know, if you wouldn't go out to eat after church, uh, you'd keep the Sabbath. And uh, some of you were raised that way, weren't you? Some of you are old enough. I, I can still, I, some of you I can still see that you're old enough that, uh, you know, the Sabbath is when? It's Sunday. And yet the reality is we know that Sabbath is historically in the Jewish tradition. It is from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. But what we do is we miss the point of the Sabbath. Remember Jesus said uh, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. And we forget what the word Sabbath me means. I just saw it whispered out there by my dear friend. She said it means rest. We're talking about a rest of faith. The whole point of the Sabbath is to teach us that God has done all the work, and on the seventh day, what does He do? He rests. And this idea of keeping the Sabbath is a clear picture in the Old Testament of resting by faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross of Calvary. Amen? I mean, that's what he's saying here. Can you keep the Sabbath? You can't. Try as much as you may. As the Pharisees sought to keep the Sabbath, they even tithed of their mint, remember? They went in their... uh, their box of spices in the cabinet and pulled it out and said, well, we're going to give a little bit of this and give a little bit of that and uh, try to keep the Sabbath. And then the ox gets in the ditch. You know, trouble happens on the Sabbath. So what do you do? Well, you, you, you supplement the law of God by the laws of man, right? That's what they did. And they get an excuse to go ahead and do what they need to do. And the reality is God gave us that to show us that Christ has finished the work of salvation for us on the cross of Calvary, and we come to rest by faith in that. Hebrews 4, uh, verses 1 and following, it says, uh, Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest, if you were in the Old Testament, it would be Shabbat is how it's pronounced, Uh, for the Jew, uh, entering his rest still stands 
Lest us fear, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. It what? That rest from God. For the good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them. And why not? Because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we have believed, enter that rest. So when we're talking about resting in Christ, we're resting in His finished work. What do we do while we're waiting for the return of the Lord? We rest in Christ. And if you came into this building today not certain of your salvation, it's because you've got in your mind the concept of I must work or earn or deserve God's salvation. And you will never, ever find it. Because salvation is not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to His mercy. So he tells us so clearly that... uh, This rest that remains for us is a rest of entering into salvation. And yet, in this passage of Scripture, he tells us in verse 3 and verse 4, there are two different groups that are refused entrance, but God changes it. The number one in verse 3, he talks about the foreigner. The foreigner is not invited into the temple can't come into the inner circle of the temple. If you're not foreign, if you're not native born in Israel, you could not you could come to the court of the Gentiles, but you couldn't enter into the real temple. And so you were forbidden to come, and yet what does God's word say here? He says to the foreigner who thinks to himself, if I attach myself to the Lord, he is going to ultimately say you don't belong to me. And yet, what does God say? Oh, no. When you come to keep my Sabbath, which has nothing really to do with not walking more than a tenth of a mile on a Sunday, okay? But it has to do with faith alone and Christ alone, resting solely in Christ. He says, when you do that, I will not reject you. And with the eunuch, that's someone who has a flaw about them. I, I, I wrote down, there's the bard and the marred, okay? There are those who are forbidden to come in, the foreigner, and the marred, the eunuch, who are not allowed to come in. Any imperfections, you can't come to Christ. And what did Christ do? Christ came for the bard and the marred. And you and I are barred and marred because of our sin. And yet it is because of the finished work of Christ that you and I are invited by Him to enter into that rest of faith in salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hudson Taylor uh, was the founder of the China Inland Mission. And uh, when times of trouble came and... uh, like when the Boxer Rebellion took place and they uh, had uh, uh, several hundred uh, missionaries who were killed, he would sing this little song, Jesus, 
I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. I am finding out the greatness of your loving heart. Thou hast bid me gaze upon thee as thy beauty fills my soul, for by transforming power thou hast made me whole. Jesus, I am resting, resting, resting. Uh, It's interesting, he started singing that. Uh, the lady that wrote that was a young lady from Ireland. Her brother was a missionary uh, under the leadership of uh, Hudson Taylor there in China. And uh, she sent it to her brother, and her brother shared it with Hudson Taylor. And Hudson Taylor said, man, that's, that's what Christianity is all about. It is resting, resting, resting in all that Christ is. So God is calling you and I to believe and rest. So rest in his righteousness. Number two, cling to his covenant. Cling to his covenant. Uh, Go back again to verse 2 when it says, Blessed is the man, remember the weak and the sickly one, and the son of man who is the second Adam, who does what? Who holds fast. He holds it fast. What? Our salvation, our covenant. So in verse 4, he tells the eunuch to do what? To hold fast to my covenant. And what does he tell the foreigner in verse 6? Hold fast to my covenant. What's a covenant? It's what God has made with us. He is the maker of the covenant, and he is the keeper of the covenant. And it is all based on His faithfulness. But while you walk through this life, you find yourself occasionally unfaithful, do you not? You, You find yourself barred and marred. Even though you've been accepted by grace through faith alone in Christ alone, there are times that when we are unfaithful, we feel rejected and not welcomed by the Lord. And God reminds us, if by faith you have entered into his Sabbath rest, you and I are to do what? Persevere by hanging on to the one who hangs on to you. And uh, I know that all of you know the uh, hymn writer Horatius Bonner, right? Probably don't. Uh, He wrote a hymn in, uh, in 1845. That's going a little bit ways back, and I'm not going to read all the words to it because it's very repetitive. Uh, I'll just read you the first part of some of the uh, little phrases in it because you're going to catch what his theme is. He says, cling to the mighty one, cling to the holy one, cling to the gracious one, cling to the faithful one, cling. To the living one, cling to the loving one, cling to the pardoning one, cling to the healing one, cling to the bleeding one, cling to the rising one, cling to the coming one, and cling to the reigning one. He's saying, listen, hold fast to Christ. Because Christ is holding fast to you. Don't become discouraged. 
and disheveled by what's going on in the world around you. This world is upside down. And those who are in Christ are right side up. You and I are not being overtaken by an unbelieving world. You and I are being held onto by the righteous one, the Lord Jesus Christ, and He holds you true to Himself. So Christ is calling you not to despair, but to know that there is a conquering Savior that you serve. You know, I was uh, reading this morning where uh, the uh, president of uh, Ukraine was saying, there's no way out of this war except by some kind of dialogue, some, some kind of peacemaker who can step in and make peace between us. And, uh, and you know, that there's, there's truth and reality to that. What's going to stop this insanity? Why is Finland and Sweden saying, we're going to join NATO, and they've refused to join NATO for all of these decades now? It's because of fear. It's fear of what their neighbor will do to them, just like they've done to Georgia, just like they did to Crimea, just like they're doing to Ukraine. And you and I are seeing it everywhere we go. We see gas prices going up. Uh, we see uh, uh, food prices going up. And we're looking at it and we're going, is there any going to be any end to this? And I tell you, keep your eyes on the horizon. Keep your eyes toward heaven and look to the clouds for the coming one. He is the peacemaker. There is not going to be any peace any other way except through the Lord Jesus Christ. Cling to Him. Hold fast to the one who is holding fast to you. And then lastly, um, I want you to see that uh, um, there is a uh, salvation. Uh, his, we share, rather, in His salvation and just three simple little things about his salvation. Number one, it's a heavenly salvation. Back in verse 5, he says, I will give my house to the foreigner, the one who's within my walls. I will give him a monument and a name. I, I didn't really understand what that meant, and then I studied a little bit about Absalom. You remember Absalom was David's son? And Absalom uh, took over the kingdom, stole the kingdom away from David. But one thing Absalom didn't have, he didn't have an offspring. He didn't have a child. He didn't have someone to give the kingdom to had he survived it. And so what Absalom did, he, he built a monument, put his name on it. Okay? He said, I want to be remembered. I want somebody to know who I am, that I was here. I'm not going to ask you to raise a hand, but have any of you ever been somewhere hiking wherever else and put your name and said, I was here? I, I really don't want to know you. Every time I see one of those, I think, what idiot would do that? Okay, I mean, isn't that the silliest thing? I was here, okay? Well, this is exactly what Absalom does. 
child of God, what does God say to us who are barred and marred? You'll never be forgotten. You're always mine. Your position will be higher than just being my child. I'm going to give you an everlasting name. You will never cease, though they slay me, yet shall I live. No matter what comes our way, we have a promise of heaven as our home. Now, many of you will know uh, Steve Centers, one of our church members who uh, came down with melanoma of the eye, and uh, we're, we're so grateful. I know I saw, I've seen Casey around here somewhere. I know you're here. There you are way over there. Same same condition, and, and God in His uh, providence has provided for her, and, uh, and, uh, and we are indeed grateful for that. Went to the same doctors, got some of the same treatment, but Steve is, has been sent home as of Friday uh, to be under hospice, or it was earlier in the week, I think. And I knew I needed to call him, and I thought to myself, I don't want to call him. I don't know what I'm going to say to him. What words can I say to a man who has cancer that has metastasized and, and his, his days on earth are numbered? And, um, I mean, what words can I say to him? I said, oh, Lord, I don't know what to say to him. So I called. And I said to him uh, a few words that I think the Lord had put on my heart. And I said, well, I want to pray for you. And he says, well, I want to pray first, okay? And when that man started to pray, my soul was raptured into heaven. He thanked God that he could come through the powerful blood of Jesus Christ to a heavenly throne of grace where God would supply every need that he had and he had the certainty in his heart that he was going to wake up in the glorious presence of the Lord Jesus Christ very soon. Man, I called him to encourage him, and I got encouraged in my soul. And that's the way it ought to be for the child of God. We have a heavenly salvation that we know that we, our name is written down in glory. And we have that certainty that He has gone and prepared a place for us, and He will receive us unto Himself. It's a heavenly salvation. It's a holy salvation. Notice what He says, I will bring you to my holy mountain. I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their sacrifices will be accepted at my altar. In my house, it will be called a house of prayer, and it will be for all people. Listen, God is inviting us not to a place of decay, but a place of permanence and perfection. When we get there, we're put. It's settled in, in this life. Listen, uh, I told you that the, the jet ski broke down, and they, they wanted us to text, uh, we, we just couldn't read. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how old my wife is, but I'm getting ready to turn 65, and uh, we can't read. 
up close. And we didn't have reading glasses out on the jet ski. And uh, one of our church members were, and I were talking before the service, and they said, you know, this getting old is tough. You see, when you're born, you start to do what? Die. <laughs> you, when you're born, you start to die, and you see the young, young ones, and you, you think, oh, no, that doesn't happen. Even young people die. Uh we, are, we have no security this side of heaven except in Christ. And there's a permanence about this salvation that we have. It is holy. It is to lead us to be holy in all manner of living in our lives. But for time's sake, let's move to this last part. And it is, it's a harvest uh, salvation. God's salvation that you and I are to stand in and to share is a harvest salvation. Notice what he says in verse 8. The Lord God who gathers the outcast of Israel, and remember we're talking about the bard and the marred, I will gather yet others to him. Now the him is Israel, but the Israel is Christ. We're going to gather him to Christ, them to Christ. And, and the word gather is a word of harvest. The seed is sown, and God gathers in the harvest. Paul understood that. He said, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. I, uh, I could not remember when the coals left for uh, Indonesia to be missionaries. And so I, I kind of pried in a moment ago. Uh, they left in uh, 1969 uh, to go to Indonesia. I did some research, okay? I've been, I've been researching uh, the, the uh, Southern Baptist uh, mission in uh, Indonesia, but I couldn't find out when you guys actually arrived there. And uh, they had their daughter and their son with them when they boarded a ship, not a plane, they boarded a ship in 1969 with a two-and-a-half-year-old and a, a one-year-old. Uh, boy, doesn't that sound like fun? And I said, well, you know, since the mission board was sending you, I'm sure you were in one of the first-class cabins at the top. And Dr. Cole said, yeah, we were in one of those cabins below the waterline. You know, there was just barely enough room to move around in it. And... Uh, I got to think, why, what would motivate them to do that? Why, why would they go and do that? Why would they give their lives and raise their children in a predominantly Muslim nation? And, and the reason why is, is because God has a harvest. And if there's going to be a harvest, Romans tells us how can they hear unless someone is sent? And I want to remind us, while we are waiting, be sent. You are sent. You're sent by Christ. Now, you graduates, you're trying to decide what's next. You know, you've already said, well, this is the school I'm going to. This is the job I plan to follow, yada, yada, yada. Guess what? A man devises his plans, but God directs his steps. And I want you to keep one eye on this world 
and one eye on Christ. And ask the Lord, where is it that you want me to go? Now, you may become, you may get a business degree. Uh, you may get a finance degree. But it may be that right now, what is about to become the most populous uh, uh, nation on earth, which is India, is one of the most closed to the gospel right now. And it may be God that will send you to a place like India. And you'll use your degree and the capacity while you're there, but you'll use your voice and your lips to plant the Word of God, knowing it's not up to you to bring the harvest. It's up to the harvester to bring it. But the seed must be planted. And wherever God sends any one of us, whether it be work, home, neighborhood, place to shop, you and I are there to plant the seed of the Word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, living out Christ in us, the hope of glory. So I want to ask you, are you sharing? I know my time's gone, but i got to tell one quick biblical story, and then we're done, okay? You'll know the story. It's found in uh, uh, 2 Kings chapter 5. It's about Naaman. You remember Naaman was a, he was a commander in the Syrian army. He was a great mighty warrior, if you'll remember that, but he had a problem. He had leprosy. He had leprosy, and because he had leprosy, guess what? He's one of the marred and barred. And while he is at home, there is a young lady that's in their house. She has been snatched away from Israel as a young girl. And she's a maid to his wife. And while she is there, she makes the statement to him, Oh, but if you would go back to Israel, there is a prophet of God that is there who will share the word with you where you will become healed. Now, she's just a little girl. She doesn't have much influence at all. She's a servant. And yet, what does she do? She plants the seed. She sows the Word of God. She tells of the promise of God. She talks about a covenant promise that is there in Christ. And she says these little words to this man. He goes to his king and he says, Can you write a letter to the king of Israel? And say, I'm sending my commander to you so y'all will heal him. And when the king in Israel gets that letter, he goes, Who am I? I can't do anything. He's going to start a war over this. What am I to do with this? But when the prophet Elijah overhears that the king has torn his clothes out of brokenness and fear... He says, tell him to come to me. And so Haman comes uh, to Elisha, and he tells him what he needs to hear, but not what he wants to hear. He tells him, if you'll go and you'll immerse yourself seven times in the muddy Jordan River, you'll be healed. Now, that, that's not a pleasing message to him. He becomes angry. At the message, he turns his face to go back to Damascus, and he says, 
there are two beautiful rivers in Damascus. I can go wash myself there. Yes, I got on Google Earth and Wikipedia, and I looked them up again, okay? And they are clear water rivers that are there. He, and he was right. Man, if you want to go to a cool, clear water river and wash yourself, that's the place to go, not the muddy Jordan River. But his servant says to him, are you a fool? Did you not hear what he said? If you'll go dip yourself seven times in the river, you'll be healed. But look at yourself. You've got leprosy. You are barred from any kind of religious activity whatsoever, even in Syria. And so Naaman humbles himself at the witness of a young girl and of a servant. And he goes and he dips himself seven times in the river. And when he comes out the seventh time, what happens? He's healed. He is immediately healed. And I want to read to you what, he sa- what the Scripture says. It says, and he returned to the man of God, which I like that because remember in the New Testament, there were ten lepers that were healed. Nine of them went away and only one returned. Well, here is a leper. He's healed by the Lord. He returns to the man of God and he stands before him and this is what he says. Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth except the one in Israel. You see, salvation came to this man. So I want to ask you today, are, are you resting by faith in Christ? Are you persevering by clinging to the promised covenant that you have through faith in Christ? And are you sharing in that salvation by resting in Him? And are you sharing it with others by being just like that little girl or just like that servant and to say, there's only one that can heal you. There is salvation in no other, for there is no other name among men under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Let's bow together in prayer. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you for a story like Naaman, Lord, who was an outcast, who was a foreigner, who was, and he was barred from having any access to you except by grace. And Lord, it's true of every one of us in here. We're all sinners, and we're all in need of a Savior, and what a great Savior. And as Naaman said, the only Savior. There is no other. There, there's nowhere else to turn. There's, there's no religion to turn to. There, there, there's no lifestyle to turn to. Lord, we're, we're marred everywhere we go. We, we're unjust everywhere we go. We, we, we see it all the time. We try to be righteous and we find ourselves unfaithful. And yet, when we look to Jesus... Lord, we find in Christ everything. And now, Lord, uh, I pray that you would call those to yourself that may be here today like Naaman, that may be like the foreigner, like the eunuch, 
who can rest by faith in Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross of Calvary to know that Christ died for His sins, was buried and rose again to give us eternal life to anyone who would believe. And then, Father, for Your church, while we're waiting for Your return, that we would live lives of holiness through Christ and that we would share the wonderful truth of the Word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in His name that we pray.